Peter, he spent all night fishing. And it's beautiful to follow uh, this particular gospel, for it gives the path of the church also a guide for prayer. Peter spends all night fishing, and sometimes it feels like we do the same. He spends all night fishing, and he catches nothing. He goes out all night, and he is a professional, actually. He's a fisherman, so he knows what he's doing. He's putting out his nets all night. Nothing comes of it. He arrives on the shore, and immediately something different happens. Jesus intrudes. He enters into his boat, and he uses his boat for more preaching. He uses his boat for another purpose, first of all. And Peter begins to hear the word. It's similar often in our life. It is often us crying out for God, crying out for God. But the problem is, it's us doing it, like Peter. Peter is fishing by his own means all night long. And it's us doing it. It's our human effort. It is our human capacity to cry out, sure, but it's still us. Similar in the church, similar in the church, in general, all of our efforts could remain very human. We're doing this and doing that, doing this and doing that, doing this and doing that. But all night we catch no fish. And then Jesus enters into the boat. He enters into the boat and he begins to teach. And I don't know what Peter was thinking. He was probably distracted a little bit too by the fact that he fished all night. He must be a little bit tired, that's for sure. Surely a bit frustrated. That much you could be positive about if he hasn't caught a fish all night. And he's forced now to allow his boat to be used for something else. Jesus is preaching. I mean, he has all the admiration in the world for Christ already. And that's why he's going to follow him. But nevertheless, it is just one more thing, right? It's another thing. And I don't know what his heart was going through while Jesus started to speak. I, I don't know. I'm not there, and I was not, I'm not Peter. But nevertheless, something in his heart began to move. Surely. Surely something began to move a little bit forward. For instead of him doing, now it's going to be Christ doing it. Instead of him uh, praying all night long, or the church working all night long, the church begins to sit and listen. In this case, it's by force, right? They didn't want to. Peter didn't plan it. He wasn't planning on having Jesus use his boat as uh, his podium. But nevertheless, Jesus did. And Peter began to hear, and there was a bit of passivity, you know, where he began to receive. 
And then Jesus says those words that John Paul II loves so much. In Latin, it's ducan altum. It's a saying that I think we should all know because it was really important, as I just mentioned, that John Paul II, as he was preparing the new millennium, and John Paul II was quoting this consistently, saying, Duke in altum, Duke in altum. It's a good phrase to memorize if you're going to learn any of the many phrases in Latin. That's one of them. Duke in altum. And what it is is put out into the deep. Go out again, Peter. I know you've been fishing all night long. I know you're a professional. And so you know there's no fish out there. I know you've been praying and praying and praying. I know you've done that. I know the church has been trying and trying and trying. But he says, put out into the deep again. Put out in the deep again. And there's a difference now, though. There's a big difference. It's not that, humanly speaking, he knows it's going to work. Rather, this time, instead of trusting in himself, in his own capacity as a professional. He is trusting in God. He's trusting in the words of Christ, who is the word of God. And he has to have courage. It's different kinds of courage, you know? There's a courage for the spontaneous action that came by surprise. There's courage for the regular action to keep on doing what you know is right. But this courage, he knows it's not going to work. And he sets out anyways. And he puts out his net. But it's also courage to go out into the deep, to not stay in the shallow. And that's an important theme for our prayer life because it's not good enough to stay in the shallow end. It's an important thing also for the church. The church has to go out into the deep and not stay in the shallow. And so he puts out into the deep. He goes out. Once again, he has that courage to allow God to determine his actions. And note, he catches the fish. In case you weren't listening, I know uh, when I was not a priest, not reading the gospel, very often I would be, uh, I don't know, in outer space at the moment that the priest started the gospel. And I'd be like, what did he just say? Right after so it's always good when the priest kind of repeats what the gospel actually said. And it says he actually caught fish, so many fish, that he couldn't f- keep it all in his own boat. He had to call in an extra boat. And his friends had, came up with that extra boat, and they filled both full of fish. And he came back with far more than he had ever in one catch. And what is his first real reaction? It's interesting. 
What is his first reaction when he's placed before something that was so impressive for him? For he knew there were no fish out there. His first reaction was to say, Leave me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Leave me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Note, his recognition of his own sin came after grace, not before. Because he was touched by God, he recognized his own littleness. And it makes sense, because if you're touched by the Almighty, you recognize that you are not Almighty. And he's standing before the Lord, and his first response was one of penance, was one of admitting his sin before the Lord, saying, leave me, Lord, leave me. I am a sinful man. And what does Jesus do? Does Jesus say, yeah, you're right, I'm taken off? Does Jesus say that? No, he doesn't. <laughs> That's the state where Jesus is going to call him. He's going to say, where is it? Do not be afraid. And many times in my life, it has been just that. It's been, you know, I am not worthy. I am not worthy. I am not. But he says to you, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to come back to him. Do not be afraid. For from now on, it is men that you will catch. He says, do not be afraid. And it's interesting. Because instead of saying, well, yeah, you are messed up, you know. He says something quite to the contrary. He says, it is with you a broken vessel, a vessel made of clay, not iron. It is with you, this poor man, that I'm going to rebuild my church, or build my church, rather. It is with you right now. St. Francis heard the same call when Jesus said to him to rebuild my church. And that same call echoes to us today. Do not be afraid. And he's sent out right into mission. And in this passage, it's really beautiful, for we see the call of, that is placed upon the church. We can get so frustrated at times because of this or that, because the people aren't responding or there's no one there for this to work. There's not enough of that. But in the end, it is God who has to enter into our boat. It is Christ who has to say to us, put out into the deep. And I ask you tonight to let him in, to let him into your boat, and to hear his word, to allow him to change you so that 
instead of just praying in a human way, it might be rooted in his spirit. And that in him, you might set out into the deep and lay your life in the hands of God. That the church might trust entirely in him. And it's through God and God alone that the great catch comes. It takes thousands of people to tear down the culture. But it only takes one to build it up again. I think of so many saints that have turned everything around. And that's what the church needs most today, is the, just that, saints. And if the saints aren't here in the church, where are they? If it's not you, then who is it? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you.